Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game, powered by Advent Health. That is right. The Bridge, powered by Advent Health. Advent Health, they're here to heal what hurts. For more information, go to adventhealth.com. You want to explain our musical thing? So with Thanksgiving passing us, of course, Cyber Monday is here today. Black Friday was just a couple days ago. I figured we'd do songs about money, spending money, shopping. And yo-yos, that's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. Daniels, Daniels, how big was this Dire Straits song on the MTV generation back in the day? One of the most influential videos in music history. In what way? Well, here's a video that basically is airing nonstop on MTV that is kind of mocking MTV and how the world has become addicted to videos. Then the production of the music video was unique for how they did it. Uh, Sting then was pretty big at the time with uh, Dire Straits, who didn't have the same commercial appeal yet, and this song kind of took them to a different level of uh, commercial appeal. And um, this was MTV going, keep playing this thing over and over and over and over. And I don't know the exact numbers, but it is one of the most played videos in its prime run, meaning a song comes out and MTV puts it in what's called heavy rotation, and it aired more in heavy rotation than any video MTV had ever had. Mm. Wow. Did not know that, Daniels. Yeah. Not my favorite uh, Dire Straits song. Uh, what Sul- would be Sul- Mike Bianchi's Sultans of, Sultans of Swing. Yeah. It's a tough one to top right there. Yeah. That's, so, that, that's before they went commercial, as you would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get into the UCF-USF game, I've got a lot to talk about there, as I do Florida-Florida State. But uh, we just had Mike Huguenin on, and we were talking about the, you know, the chaos in college football with the playoff. And Mike Huguenin said, with Michigan beating Ohio State, and, and you know Georgia obviously expected to win the SEC championship game, but he said if Michigan and Georgia, even if they lose both of those teams, are in, in his opinion. Do you agree with that? I don't know, and I'm not, I mean, I love Mike, um, but all I would say is I'll hand you the last two weeks of college football. Everything that we have been assuming has had a curveball thrown into it. You know, like I said, I mean, you'll talk about UCF and South Florida, but go ask Oregon, Ohio State, Clemson, go ask them the assumptions that people have about just going and winning, and when you don't win, it creates chaos, and if we are to assume that the teams that are expected to win win, then yeah, maybe you can make that case. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's why we play some of these games here. Uh, I do think, though, that this past weekend did give some teams maybe that buffer. LSU's loss takes them out of any argument to make the playoff there. So maybe Georgia's in a safe spot. Uh, Michigan is playing a you know an average Purdue team. So maybe there are some assumptions, but... Um, Let's go see what happens. By the way, some of these championship games, you just mentioned Michigan, Purdue. Not, 
Then you have the, the, the Clemson-North Carolina game with North Carolina coming off two straight losses. Clemson, of course, losing to South Carolina. But, but let me give you an example of something in the new world we're going into, okay? And I, as I've said a lot in the last couple of, I guess, years and months, I understand the business side of why things are shifting. For example, in pay-for-play, which I don't call NIL, pay-for-play, and in you know bigger conferences. But you know me, I, I, I like divisions. And now that we're doing away with it, the future Big Ten would give you a rematch this week. Yeah. And do you want that? Meaning, do you want it back-to-back? I'd rather have that than Michigan-Purdue. I understand that, but but do you want that back-to-back? Is the argument's going to be, well, wait a minute, then, then then why are we even playing the game this past Saturday so we can play it again next Saturday because that one's labeled a championship? And people would scream blasphemy if you said, well, then move it to the beginning of the year and be like, no, that's not what Michigan-Ohio State is. Well, Neither was a 16-team conference in the yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know discussion for Bo and Woody years ago. But you're going to end up getting these because of our obsession to have you know uh, the top two teams play to protect our playoff chances. And then what do you do when it happens the first and then the second and then the third time when you get these rematches of teams that played, if not the last week, towards the end of the season? You're not going to think it's as exciting. I mean, Ohio State would love it to get it again, but Michigan fans would be like, we just beat you. What are we playing this again for? Right. By the way, I, uh, we always rail against you know college football and the, the way they spend money. The Lane, Kiffin, the Lane Kiffin contract extension, he loses his last three games, uh, and because he, I guess he was flirting with Auburn, all right? He gets like a $2 million raise. He's now one of the highest-paid coaches in college football at $9 million a year. And and he lost the Egg Bowl, for crying out loud. Schools pay for relevance. And if you're Old Miss, and you've covered the SEC a long time, and this is not knocking Old Miss, you pretty much know what your ceiling is. And if you can pay for a coach that keeps you relevant by one playing an exciting offense, and you're going to win some games, and he's always going to be saying something about social media that keeps you relevant, you're almost paying for that. And then Mm -hmm. if you get the magical year of, okay, well, wow, he did it this year. But deep down inside, Mike, I think, you know, Old Miss knows they're an 8-9 win program. That's the ceiling. So you're paying for that. Listen. Sort of. You could say the same thing about Kentucky and why they gave Mark Stoops contract extension. Yeah. what did Matt Rule deserve that kind of money for? I don't know. You go, well, look what he did at Baylor. Do you know his two, Matt Rule has two top 25 wins as a head coach. You want to know who they're uh, against? Yeah. East Carolina and Navy. When he was at Temple? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and, and you're giving him $72 million guaranteed. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't a good coach at Temple and Baylor. Even, even Willie Taggart says that's ridiculous. But, but, uh, but, <laughs> but, Mike, what have I said about how we pay coaches? You're not paying on a market. You pay for the optics of we have to be perceived as an elite program, so therefore we'll pay. You know, Like if Matt Rule came to Nebraska and said six isn't going to cut it, I mean, uh, uh, cut it. Why? Uh, uh, Trev Albert's 
was like, well, we can't let Rule get away for an extra two or three million a year. You would have been well, like, what does he get? What is he getting? I, I just saw eight he's years. 70, what, he's getting nine million bucks. Wow. What's Luke Fickle getting at Wisconsin? My guess is that's the new market. Now, I think Luke Fickle made a smart choice for him. I think he probably felt he peaked at Cincinnati, meaning I made the playoffs. What else can I do? And not that Cincinnati's not a good job for somebody right now, but I think he also knows he's going to get more cash for players at Wisconsin. Plus, he also knows he's moving into the Big 12 next year, and he's losing a bunch of players. And he and he. But he's a good he coach. Might, I just think I know, but he might fall on he could fall on his face next year. Maybe so. You I mean strike while the iron's hot. But but we're not paying based. On, we're paying on optics right now, and it's not my money. So I mean, it's fine. And and you know, like you and I have said, nobody learned from a pandemic or, or budget no. constraints. It's just. We'll worry about it later. Yeah, what do you got to buy him out? Buy him out. He's going to win national championships for us all the time. Yes. All right, straight ahead. What a couple of in-state rivalry games over the weekend. I want to get into UCF-USF with you. Obviously, Florida, Florida State. All that coming your way on the bridge. Welcome back to The Bridge, brought to you by Advent Health. Don't forget, Advent Health is sponsoring its Children's Day of Giving. That's on December 14th. It's your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation stays local, helps cover gas and grocery bills for families with kids undergoing treatment. Visit giveforkidstoday.com to donate. All right, Daniels, we did a poll this morning, all right? Uh, One of our polls this morning was... This question, was FSU coach Mike Norvell minimizing UCF when he claimed FSU was the, quote, state champs after beating Florida over the weekend? And 56.3% of the listeners said, yes, he was minimizing UCF. I think these, I, I, I think that's crazy. He wasn't minimizing UCF. He just beaten Florida. He's already beaten Miami. He wasn't thinking about UCF. He was just saying we're the state champs. Your well, thoughts on 99% that? 99% of those 56% were UCF fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm sure. look, look uh, uh, if you're Mike Norvell, you should feel as he felt Saturday and feels today and defend his program, and I don't think he was like, let me take a dig at UCF. I think in the moment he believes, hey, I beat Florida, I beat Miami, and uh, I'm in a recruiting battle with everybody, and uh, he's caught up in the moment as any coach should, and uh, good for Mike Norvell. Um, in my Monday notebook at 969thegame.com, which is loaded with stuff today. I mean, mm, I bet. if we could put up a paywall for that alone, we could retire. Yeah. Um, I talked about a lot of things, uh, including Florida, Florida State. But in the wake of all this coaching stuff, Mike, and mm-hmm. as you've talked about a, a raise for Mike Norbell, because that's what the business is, whether you got yeah. years in a contract. Yeah. You know what I think is pretty interesting? But I think it's the, the 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 guy that is most impacted to some degree by Mike Norvell's success this year is Deion Sanders. I think Deion mm. Sanders going into the season, and I don't think Deion Sanders wishes Florida State any ill because he loves that school. But yeah, I think, but Deion's worried about Deion, though. But I think Deion saw the temperature of the program with pressure on Mike Norvell to show signs of improvement. And I think Dion kind of felt like, hang on, 
Let me wait and see what happens this year. And now you fast forward, and Mike Norvell's looking at a potential 10-win season, and a number of vacancies right now are being filled without Deion Sanders getting interviewed or considered. And there may be a variety of factors, some fair, some unfair there. Well, now it appears that Deion's name is connected to two jobs, Colorado. Colorado and South Florida, and some think that that may be more of South Florida's AD putting Deion's name out there to make it look like they're going for a big splash. Maybe they are interested mm. in Deion Sanders. But I kind of wonder if Deion thought beginning of the year, hey, 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five ain't going to cut it, and I'll be the savior, and I'll wait here for that. And now the season's gone on, and Mike Norvell's looking at a raise. And not that Dion won't get an opportunity, but I do think he probably wondered back in July, hey, the FSU job might be there for me. Mm. By the way, speaking of the state champs, so one of the Ask Mark questions, is there any chance UCF could play FSU in the Cotton Bowl should, F- should UCF win the conference championship? No. <clears throat> no. Okay. All right. That was... All right, that was one of the the way the dominoes questions. look like they're falling now, and with LSU's loss, that's going to impact the SEC uh, line of teams. Uh, more likely, Penn State is going to be the Cotton Bowl team. Mm. By the way, we saw some great, great plays this weekend in both of those rivalry games. Uh, I'm sure you were watching the Florida Florida State game. Did you see Jordan Travis and some of those plays he made? He was incredible, Daniels, and I realize, you know, he, you know, what was he, 13 of 30 passing the ball, but, I mean, he had a a lot of his receivers dropped balls. I mean, Johnny Wilson, that guy has hands of stone. He's 6'7", 230 pounds, (laughs) but, I mean, he looked like Roberto Duran out there with boxing gloves trying to catch the football. Mike, in in 2022, if Mm -hmm. I said I'm going to give you a 45-38 game, right, you would think that both quarterbacks have incredible nights, but if I said, and by the way, they're going to go, the two quarterbacks will combine to go 22 of 57, you would have been like, wait, what? Right. But that game, I loved watching that game. I mean, I, uh-huh. I, I, I sat back and enjoyed a Friday night uh, over in Tampa sitting watching that game. And despite those numbers for passing, there were so many big, exciting plays in that game that it, it lived up to the hype, even though the stat sheet at times were like, wait a minute, what? You know, but uh, I enjoyed watching it and, and came down to a final possession. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we are going to say goodbye to our listeners in Tallahassee. We appreciate all of you guys listening on FM 96.5 The Spear. If you want to keep listening to The Bridge, it's easy to do. All you have to do is find us on the iHeartRadio app. You can do that. Just search for 96.9 The Game in Orlando. Otherwise, we will catch you 6 a.m. bright and early on Tuesday morning. All right, let's pause really quick for station identification. Mark Daniels. All right, Daniels, before Kelly Velez leaves, Kelly, play, can you play the, the clip of Mark Daniels and Gary Paris on the call when Alec Holler made that incredible uh, game-saving touchdown catch against USF on a Saturday night? The snap, he's going to throw. He'll throw to the end zone. Holler can't make the catch. Or is he in? Is that a touchdown? I can't believe it. I don't know. I don't know. Is his foot down? I don't know. 
That's what we got to see. Let's see. The catch is fantastic. If not, if not, yes, it'll be fourth yes, down. Is he it in? Is. It, it looks is like in. his foot may have been down. It, it was down. <laughs> There you have it. His foot was down. What an incredible catch by Alec Holler. What did you call that catch, Daniels? Holy Holler. Holy Holler. Well, that's great, by the way. Yeah, the Holler that... hop against Memphis and uh, Holy Holler. Um, I, it, I, our angle, I, I'm down at the other end of the field on that side at the 20, so to watch it live and the sideline, there's like 9,000 people on the side. It's like impossible to see any play in the corner. Like whatever sideline protocol, like it doesn't matter. People are just on the field and so forth. Like we, <laughs> I had people texting me, Mike, like, yeah, he's in bounds. And I'm like, why are you in the field? Who are you to be down there? <laughs> but um, uh, the ball in the air. The first thought is, and you know these things happen so quickly, but like if you slow it down, the first thought is, there's no way he's catching this. It's over his head. Yeah. And then he catches it, and then just natural reaction is my eyes are looking at his arm going back, and then you're looking at the angle. Like, did he get in bounds? Because his body lands out of bounds, but I can't see if his foot has actually hit the corner to be oh, in or just not. barely barely in so the, but it was in right so my first thought is okay there's no way that he's in so they'll kick a field goal here and then i see people and, and holler's the first guy that gets up that's like that's a touchdown and later and some of the very incredibly talented video people for ucf were shooting on the field and they've got the the, the side judge nodding yes that he was in and that's what led to the call initially being a touchdown, and then they went to the review, and uh, the call stands, and um, it is, I mean, it's an unbelievable Now, again, UCF could kick the field goal they got within range. It's a freshman I, kicker, it, not that Colton Boomer couldn't have made it. He was perfect all year. So. In fact, when they went back to throw right there, I, I'm like, oh, this, I don't know if I'd be throwing here. Well, I was the same that's way what, on the call, like, oh, he's going to throw. And, right. uh, you know. It's an incredible catch, um, and great guy, great story. Alec Holler was put on scholarship a year ago, um, you know, connected to the famous Holler family here in Orlando, but just a great, great guy and um, an amazing catch. All right, I know you won't answer this being the UCF diplomat that you are. What's the greater catch, Alec Holler or J.J. Wharton against Temple back in, what year was that, 2014? 13. 2013. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the diplomat for two reasons. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can you give me... Okay, what? Can you give me the rest of the season? Because Wharton's catch plays the role. Now, they still had to score again, and Rennell Hall makes the over-the-shoulder catch to set up the field that, goal to beat Temple. Yeah, Wharton's wasn't the game winner. No, it was a comeback, and then the defense gets a stop to get the ball back, and then Bortles hits Rennell Hall over the shoulder, and then they kick the field goal to beat Temple. But what you, down? What what down was it when Bort, when Bortles scrambled away and he's getting a hit and throws it to Wharton? What do you remember? What down that I think was? It's second, I think I might be wrong. Okay, all right. But you know the outcome of the season that UCF goes on to play in a basketball win. That they needed to win that game to to make that right. happen. Now, right? now, if you tell me that UCF is going to win its next two games and win the Cotton Bowl, then maybe I go back and I. Uh, have a different judgment of it 
because mm-hmm. of the impact of uh, the moment. Uh, there was no title game in 2014. UCF, uh, in, in 2013, uh, UCF won the league, then won it outright in the ice game at, at SMU. They'd already clinched a spot in the Fiesta Bowl before that. So you know the outcome of the season. Both catches are incredible. Wharton's catch is part of a comeback where they need the touchdown. In Holler's case, it's an incredible athletic play, but they're in range to kick a a, a, a makeable field goal. I'm not devaluing at all. They're both yeah. incredible catches. I think it's. I think if you take everything at take take everything out of it, just judge the catch itself, not ramifications of of what you know what it led to. I still say J.J. Wharton's. Was a was a, I mean his was falling backwards as well one handed. Well, this also sounds w- unfair. Uh, Wharton's came before Odell Beckham made one handed catches normal. Mm, good point. <laughs> what? Um, but and now Odell Beckham's getting kicked out of kicked off airplanes and probably be a cowboy in forty eight hours. But um, <laughs> I, Mike, I, you watch the game, right? Yeah, and. All I got to say is, and look, I'm sitting there watching the ultimate meltdown in the third quarter. Well, let me just, I wanted to ask you this question. Yes. What were you thinking when their true freshman quarterback runs in from 42 yards with seven minutes left and USF takes the lead? Uh, Whatever you thought the Navy game was, this is the worst loss in program history. Yeah. I mean, just because of how... I mean, the Navy game is odd, but it's a 17-14 game. You didn't have a big lead. I mean, you're trailing. You tie the game, and you still got a chance. This is 28-0. And a couple... Look, whether people like it or not, not just rivalry games, but late-season games in college football, whether you're playing for a playoff spot or, in this case, to get into your conference championship game and rivalry game... Weird stuff happens. Not all the time, but sometimes, and Mike, you've covered games where you can't explain why this is now unfolding. Whether it, I was it, at the choke at Dope. Right. And, and, like, you couldn't explain that. I had Danny Cannell on the show last week, and he was describing what that comeback was like um, and everything. And this would, have been wor- this would have been worse, by the way. Probably, yeah. And, and, and sometimes you can't describe it because... That's the beauty of sports, like I say all the time. It's why networks pay billions of dollars for live sports rights, because you can't script things sometimes. Nah, nah. And and to try to describe <clears throat> how all of this unfolds, you can't. And look, I can't prove this. If John Rice Plumley isn't hurt, he probably runs route. for 300 yards. Yeah, it's, it's a route. But, but, but a couple things happen. Uh, on his second touchdown run at the two-yard line, he takes that awkward step and clearly hurts mm-hmm. his hamstring. He comes back out for the next possession, and on the touchdown pass to Ryan O'Keefe, he, he, you see the hamstring again on the mm-hmm. throw. And then South Florida gets away, just like I'm sure UCF got away. It's a blatant hold on that fourth down pass to extend the drive, and they get a touchdown and the half, and it gave him some momentum. But then it's 31-7, and then you've got back-to-back fumbles, and now all of a sudden South Florida scores every time they touch the ball. And I don't mean like long drives, four plays, four plays, three plays, and things like that. And By the way, that freshman quarterback looks pretty good for them. Maybe somebody should have Jeff Scott what he was doing at quarterback, yeah. and maybe they should have yeah. reevaluated whatever they gave Jerry Bohannon to transfer. But, right. Um, 
and then stuff happens. And yet, you know, like I, in in the euphoria of uh, of the win, Mike. Okay, I posted a picture of Mariano Rivera on Twitter, and I said, "Closers close about Mikey Keene and Mariano mm, Rivera, right?" Yeah. And then he got to love how how there's that faction of fans that every fan base has. You know, he got bailed out by Javon Baker and Alec Calder. Like, of course, he had nothing to do with it. Like, 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 like Keen was just there. He makes a great 16-yard pass to Kobe Hudson. He hits Bowser for 12. The RPO that he ran for 9 from the 25 yeah. to the 16-yard line. And it oh, by the clutch. way, Right. And oh, by the way, hey, get in there and play. And by the way, there's an avalanche coming in the second half. Why don't you stop it? And to think that he did nothing... Again, there's that group they will complain about everything. And I'm not saying you can't be the fan and I will admit bring this points, though, but I uh, will admit this though, Daniels. When he dropped back and was flushed on that pass he threw to Javon Baker, I was like, Oh, this is not this isn't gonna be good. No, but but <laughs> but but it, it, he 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 completed it in Javon Baker, by the way. We haven't even mentioned what a great catch he made. Right. And my point is if you followed UCF you know the things that Mikey Keene can do, and you know the things that you are having a hard time to ask him to do, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling you that, that that this is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady in their prime, but he makes enough plays, and yeah, sometimes quarterbacks get bailed out by great receivers. You know why? That's why you have great receivers. Ask Tua how life is with Tyreek Hill, you know? Um, so yeah, they make big catches, uh, but in a moment like that, think of it again. 2.49 to go. Here's the ball at the 18-yard line. we got to save the season. Good luck. Okay, you right. know, to think that he had nothing to do with it is ridiculous. And yet, despite blowing a 28 nothing lead in 31-7, they won. Go ask Oregon if they'd like to have the game back against Oregon State as they blew a 21-point lead. Go ask Clemson who blew a double-digit lead to South Carolina. Go ask LSU, who blew that football game with a chance maybe to make the college football playoff. I mean, there's a lot of teams like Ohio State. Ohio State's not playing for a conference championship. Sometimes you got to find a way to survive and win, and they did. By the way, real quick, um, what about Florida State fans storming the field? (laughs) Daniels. Come on. Storming the field after beating a ten-point underdog at home, who, who was six and six, you're storming the field for that. Is I this guess my, uh, is this where we're at now in college football? Well, where it's, it's just all the rage now I, to storm the field. I was going to say maybe here's a great column for you, Mike. Okay, okay. Why don't you write the modern day rules of court and field storming? Like what <laughs> is. What are the guidelines? Like, what do you have to meet? And then that way, they can hand them out at stadiums and arenas, and people can look and go, ah, nope, we can't do it. Why? Because the rules are right here. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and people can go, wait, wait, they're top five. We haven't beat a ranked team in 30 can't, years. No, we can cannot, go. All right, go. <laughs> absolutely cannot storm the field against the team that lost to Vanderbilt the previous week. Then that that, that's be, one of your rules. There you go. All right. Yeah. 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 Mike should come up with uh, uh, the Ten Commandments of Court and Field Storming. Although I will say, I mean, that UCF-USF game was so thrilling. If that had been at UCF Stadium, UCF fans might have stormed the field. Uh, well, I think the 8,000 South Florida fans would have stormed the field. <laughs> they announced 32,000, right? And, and, and one of your fellow colleagues in the media said, uh, hey, a 1-in-10 team, 
not bad. They drew 32,000. And my response was, you're joking here, right? Because if they played Temple, there wouldn't have been 6,000 fans there. Okay, they drew 32,000 because UCF had half the crowd. And then because it was UCF, that was probably half the South Florida crowd. They didn't draw 32,000 for being one in 10. Let that out. But. Real quick, did you think the officiating was that bad in the Florida-Florida State game? Like, both sets of fans are complaining about it. I didn't think it was awful. No, it's 2022, and because of Twitter, fans get to just gripe about that, and then people assume that you know their team's getting screwed. Why? Because, again, 90% of the people you follow agree with you. So if you're a Florida fan and you look on Twitter, and other Gator fans are going, we're getting screwed by the refs, and you think you got screwed by the refs. Did, did you think the last pass interference on Florida State, which kept Florida alive? It was a bad in that call, game? but the face mask was then missed when the drive was extended. How do you miss the yeah. face mask? I don't know. Well, I, I you know, know. you can say it balances itself out, but... Um, anyway. Also, did you think Brock Osweiler was bad on the commentary? We've gotten a couple of texts about that. I thought he was okay. He's opinionated, but what's the matter with that? And if you're a Gator fan and follow Darren Heitner, the sports law guy, then that's why you probably think that, because he couldn't stop doing that all day, Saturday night and Sunday. And then that's what led to the uh, threads about Brock Osweiler. Mm. I mean, I, it's 2022, man. Nobody, everybody thinks the announcers hate them. Everybody thinks that the refs hate them. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Um, you know, like... Does a Florida fan feel like they've watched enough of Brock Osweiler, the analyst, to know, yeah, he sucks? I mean, come on. I, thought, I actually liked him. I liked him on the game the other day. It, it, nobody likes anybody, Mike, in 2022. I did. Well, I like you, Mike. I do want to ask you about a couple of more things of Florida, Florida State, and more football when the bridge brought to Bavin Health continues after this. Oh, yeah. Little Joe Walsh? Yeah. Mm. This is when he was in the James game. Sing along, Mike. It's all night long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All night long. I'm an all-nighter. I don't know about you, Daniels. Wow. I'm an all-nighter. Uh, By the way, Daniels. Yeah, I miss both games this weekend. I've been exposed to COVID. <clears throat> yeah, I heard you say that. So you're around somebody that has or tested. Yeah, my positive. daughter. Yeah, my daughter. It uh-huh. was visiting for the holiday. She got it, mm-hmm. and then I started feeling a little sick. So I said, I better not go. That's very nice of you. Infect everybody with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't so. miss a good media meal, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no boxed, uh, boxed. Uh, Sandwich was uh, on display there. Mm. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, uh, back at the Florida-Florida State game, Mm -hmm. Anthony Richardson is 9 of 27 for 198, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, And, I mean, Ricky Pearsall had a big game, five for 140, a couple of touchdowns. Three. Um. Did Anthony Richardson take his final snap as a Florida Gator Saturday night? Because if he and his people believe that he can be a first-round draft pick and they think that 
whatever spot, whether it's 32, 20, or what, he's not playing. I think he did. I think he did for this reason. Here's why I think that. Um, I just think the – and don't take this the wrong way. I think he played these last few games almost as if he was protecting himself. Okay. Um, you know, like last week against Vanderbilt, even this week, he did. I mean, he had some bullish runs this week against Florida State, but it doesn't seem like he wa- Like Jordan Travis, Jordan Travis was putting it all on the line. Saturday, I, I just don't know if Anthony Richardson was putting it all on the line as far as running the football. Um, so the, that makes me think that yeah, maybe he's protecting himself because he's going to go pro. Maybe I, I I I I wonder at the end of that game set. I thought, is that it? That what what will end up being a very interesting odd run for a Gator quarterback, and there's some that went on to be from nowhere to Heisman Trophy winners and uh, famous players of college football and Tim Tebow, that if Anthony Richardson took his final snap Saturday, wow, it would be an interesting run, and maybe they believe he's going to be a solid first-round pick and it's worth going, and uh, that may have been it. I'm going to contradict myself real quick. Okay. I I just said Jordan Travis was putting it all on the line, and he did. But what is this sliding right before you get to the end zone that he did twice? A couple times, yeah. It, huh? What is that about? Put your shoulder down and get your ass in the end zone. Yeah, a couple times, and, and there are more quarterbacks that do that. And now, again, with the slide, it's it, it, it remember, it's where you give yourself yes. up. It's not where you end up sliding to. And it ends up costing teams. And twice he, he did that short of the goal line. Um so yeah, but I, I don't know. Uh, again, watching as an armchair quarterback, there are moments that you see Anthony Richardson. And you're like, man, that can be really good. And then you look and go, he needs another year of college football. And I don't know. Uh, Although when you when you think about it, I mean, look what the Forty ers did with Trey Lance, right? What they do with him? I mean, they drafted him really early. Because of his potential. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's probably NFL teams out there that look at Anthony Richardson and are thinking the same thing. This guy, we can. This guy will be a star. We can make him a star. Maybe, especially, especially when you see what guys like Justin Fields are doing. You saw what Jalen Hurts did last night running the football. Um, yeah, in defense of those guys, the body of work in college is greater than what Anthony Richard, uh, Richardson's done, but I understand no what you're saying, a potential. And I'll tell you what, what, what else is really interesting, what what people projected to be one of the great quarterback classes coming up, it's really interesting to watch how the regular season has ended in the sense of Richardson had a very up-and-down year. Will Levis... Hasn't had a good game in two months, and yet some people still think he's a top-five draft pick. I heard Mel Kuyper on the radio a week or two ago saying he's still at the top of his draft board. Right. I think C.J. Stroud makes some great throws. I watched that game Saturday, and I was like, eh. (laughs) He's got got all-American guys at wide receiver. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be a high draft pick, but you're kind of like, eh. I mean, the best guy... 
the two best quarterbacks may be a freshman in North Carolina and a sophomore at USC, which, by the way, there's another great nugget in the Monday Notebook by Daniels on Caleb Williams that you better go read. Um, so well, He's definitely getting your Heisman vote. I don't know about that. but um, <laughs> No, no, no. I, I mean, here, I'll tease what I wrote. Okay, ready? Okay. Do you think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, whether you and I vote for him or not? Yes. Okay. You know what could happen? Never before in college football. Could a Heisman Trophy be the most sought-after free agent in college football? Why did he go to USC? Because Lincoln Riley Mm -hmm. was there. And then what else did they do for him? I'm sure he probably got a a slight bit of money. So you're you're not draft-eligible. You're the Heisman Trophy winner. What stops anybody in that position of telling their current school, I'd like 5 or $10 million to come back? I said that a, a couple weeks or last week about Jordan Travis. He's going to be a free agent, too. Well, everybody is c- come Monday. I mean, when the transfer portal opens again, and, yeah, you got to put your name in it, but, but what stops any player like that? And you go, well, uh, why would he leave USC? Who says he's leaving? But he can certainly tell them, I'd like $10 million to come back next yeah. year. Now, somebody else may have to offer that, but if somebody says, hey, I, I, I'll give you seven, what stops anybody? I mean, you can look at USC and say, I love it, man. I want to stay in L.A., but what do you got for me? I mean, didn't we see that sort, or at least the rumors were? We saw that with Jordan Addison this past year when he left Pitt to go to USC. I don't even know if it's rumors. I mean, everybody kind of had an idea what was out there. And, and, I mean, go here, Mike, you're Georgia, okay? Mm -hmm. The most blue-collar guy that may end up winning back-to-back national championships, right? What stops you saying, here's $8 And then he goes, well, you know, USC, I got a school over here. You know, nothing. Nothing. If I were if I were a star quarterback, I would do that. I would start a bidding war. Why wouldn't you? Right. I've, that's the gist of what I wrote. Now, you may go, oh, he's not leaving Lincoln, Rodney, and he's not leaving L.A. and Hollywood. I, probably not. But why would you not use the leverage to go, I can't go to the NFL. The only way I can but, make a lot more money is to go someplace else, or you give it to me. Which one do you want? That- but well, here's why you don't do that, Daniels. Because you want to be true to your school. You want to you want to have a loyalty <laughs> to old old state. You right? The old Beach Boys song. Remember, be true to your school. One week from today will be a day like no one has ever seen in college football. Ever. By the way, real quick on that. All right. So the transfer portal opens on December the fifth. Right. One week from today. Okay. How long? How long does it stay open? A week. To put your name so in. You have, I mean, to put your name in. I mean, the portal. Why is, wouldn't Why wouldn't everybody put their name or anybody who's? Why wouldn't Mike, everybody who's anybody put their name? Mike, in? Mike, the portal on Monday will have not dozens. It will have hundreds of players, including players on everybody's favorite team, including players that you love and wonder. And it doesn't mean they're not coming back. It just means that they legally are now putting their name in a portal to then have contact with other schools, even though everybody's been talking to everybody for the last you know two months. Wait, are you saying this is the legal tampering period right now, That's... the moratorium? Daniels, if I were Anthony Richardson, if I were Jordan Travis, if I were any 
player who would be in demand, I would put my name in the portal. And that's why in the pay-for-play era, you may see something like you've never seen before on Monday. And it doesn't mean that your favorite player is not coming back to your school. It just means that player is offering their services to the highest bidder and more power to them in a system that now exists. I'm just telling you that that's why a guy like Caleb Williams may sit there and go, I'm worth $10 million. I can't go to the pros because they won't let me get drafted. i got to come back to college, and I want to maximize my opportunity. And I'm not saying USC wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> I'm sure they would. All right, peace, love, boiled peanuts. Have a great show. Monday edition of the Vita Sports starts next.